0: Continuing on in their series this morning on the peace of God. You know, that's one thing that the world is lacking so much of where they're living out of states of anxiety. And so it's good for us to teach our children young that they can access the peace of God. Jesus said that my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but as I give you. His peace, he gives to us that we can operate out of. So they're out looking on uh, doing the peace of God, but we're going to continue on in our series that we started last week called Dream On. Oh, and Adam, the sound is not on. <laughs> um, there, maybe we'll get it next week. <laughs> And so we started out of the book of Acts chapter 2 last week, and if you want to join me again there, you can do that. Oh, you can mute that channel now, quite a hum out of there. We've been having a lot of uh, technical difficulties this morning. There was power surges going through the building while we were practicing and things were just shutting off, so I don't know what Hydro One is doing today, but it's definitely having a number on our equipment. In Acts chapter 2 and in verse 17, and so as we told you last week, this is, this is part of the first Holy Spirit-inspired message of the New Testament that wasn't Jesus. This is, they've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the promise from on high that Jesus told them to wait for. He said, don't leave the city until you've been endued with power from the Holy Spirit. So the 120 of them gathered in the upper room, and they waited. They did what God said. They, They followed the shift that He told them was coming. He said, don't leave until you get the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. They flooded out into the streets of Jerusalem. People are hearing them in their own languages like, aren't these Galileans? How are they speaking Cretan? And how are they speaking Ga- uh, Galatian? You know, all these different la- these people were in the city for a, for a festival. And so Peter gets up. On that day, and he begins to preach the first Holy Spirit-inspired message of the New Testament. And he says in verse 17, quoting the prophet Joel, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on On all flesh. Everyone say that with me. On all flesh. So it's starting here on the day of Pentecost, but it says in the last days. And if they were in the last days 2,000 years ago, how much more you right now is God wanting to pour out His Holy Spirit upon you to have you lead a Holy Spirit-flooded life that you walk with His inspiration and His guidance on a daily basis. And so he said in the last days, and so if it was true for them, it's even more true for you. And so he goes on in the next part of that verse, he says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And so he told you last week that when they use the word prophecy there, they means to speak forth by divine inspiration. And I just love that about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to leave you dry and uninspired. Every day He wants to fill you with hope. He wants to fill you with peace. He wants to fill you with His inspiration. And it says to speak forth. So first He speaks to you, and then He begins to speak through you. Amen? So it's not always just for you. You are interacting with people every day that are in need of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You are interacting every day with people who just need to be experienced with His love and His hope and His grace and the Holy Spirit wants to flow through you. And they said that your young men shall have visions. And we said that the word vision there is the act of seeing. And we're not talking about your basic sight, looking out your eyeballs, that you'll be able to see what's in front of you. No, this is a supernatural seeing, to be able to look at the situation and know exactly what you need to do and the way through. He gives you supernatural inspiration to know how to handle the problems of your life. He gives you supernatural inspiration to lead you through the good times. And I like to say that because sometimes we focus so much on bad times, but I know my life is pretty good most of the time, and I'm glad that He leads me just as much in the good as He does in the bad. And so the Holy Spirit will give you vision. He will give you sight to see the way through. And it said that your old men will dream dreams, and that means to dream divinely suggested dreams. And so we're not talking about your pizza dreams, you know, the what did I eat that I just had that wacky alien dream, you know, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. He's talking about divinely suggested dreams, that God will put a dream in your heart and a desire like, yeah, you know, I think I would like to do this, or I'd like to do that. And and he will lead you on and inspire you, You know that he doesn't want to just leave you the same. One of my favorite verses says that he takes us from glory to glory. And we don't need to live on yesterday's blessings. We live in today's blessings. Because he daily loads us with his benefits. And so he'll put dreams, he'll put vision in your heart. He'll inspire you to things. And he will help you walk it out. And the next verse he says, And on my men servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And the language that I love about those two verses, verse 17 and verse 18, is the inclusivity of it. You have your young and your old, your men and your women, you have your free and you have your slaves. It doesn't matter where you are in society, God is talking to you. And the gospel isn't offensive because of who it excludes. It's mostly offensive to those for who it includes. And so we always need to check our hearts. God is way more open than we are. You know, I'll never forget this. I was watching uh, a series on prisons uh, several years ago, and they were going through death row, and they were interviewing the inmates, and they sat down with this one guy who was about to be executed in a few weeks, and uh, they started to ask him some questions, and he basically stopped them, and he said, Guys, I've done horrible things in my life of which I am paying for right now, but the wonderful thing that I found is I found Jesus while I was in this, pra- in this prison. I found his love and I found his grace. And I will pay for what I've done gladly. But I'm so glad that when they put that needle in my arm, I'm going to be with my Jesus who loves me and has forgiven me. And the interviewer cut him off and said, I can't believe in a God who would welcome you. And it just popped up in me. I'm like, if you've missed in one part, you've missed in all, is what Jesus said. And sometimes we look at the bigs versus the littles and say, I've only slipped in the littles. But it's a good thing that the grace of God has covered it all. And so when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he wants to pour it out on all. Not all will receive But I'm going to not focus on what I won't do. I'm going to focus on what I will do. Holy Spirit, I open myself up to your infillings. I open myself up to your inspirations, your visions, your dreams, and I choose to walk them out with you and reach as many people as possible. I choose to dream on. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And so last week, we started looking at the life of Joseph. And it's just like the perfect place to start because they call him Joseph the Dreamer. And so if we're going to talk about dreaming on, Joseph's a great place. And we're going to come back to his life later on. But for this week, I want to move back up the family tree. Because if we have some great insights into dreaming, um, just if you go back up to his great-grandfather, Abraham. And if you want to join me in Genesis chapter 12, you can do that. It says, now, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, get out from your family and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. Now, this is the generally accepted start of the story. And when we preach these messages on Abraham, this is where we always start. But as I was going looking through the context, I realized there's more to what's going on here in verse 1 of chapter 12 than meets the eye. And so we need to back up to chapter 11 to a chapter that would normally get skipped. And you want to know why it would get skipped? Because it's a genealogy. And it says, so-and-so begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so. And we have all these generations that start with Shem, the son of Noah, and ends up all the way down here with Abram. And in between, you would think that it's just giving you a list of names, but names are important in the Bible and there's actually more at work in that genealogy than we would like to admit and so if we back up to verse 27 of chapter 11 it says this is the genealogy of Terah who is Terah? it is Abraham's father and we often don't talk about him but it says this is the genealogy of Terah Terah begot Abram Abram is the firstborn son of Terah and Abram means exalted father And so I just think about my own experiences with my firstborn son, Harrison. You know, like he comes out and I'm just so excited. I'm like, oh, oh, I I pulled Harrison aside and I had some things that I wanted to say to him that you, you do as a father. And I'm just like, oh, but I named him Harrison and his name means son of the army commander. And, you know, I, I, I was like, I wanted to have, we wanted to have a strong name for him. And I just feel like that's Terah and Abraham here. He's like, I called him exalted father. He looked at him. He saw the destiny. He saw the promise at work. He was excited about his son, Abram. And then it says his next born son, his name is Nahor. And you want to know what that means? It means heavy breather or snorter. <laughs> And so like when you're looking at the names, it's like, yeah, they couldn't be more abstract. But there's actually a reason for that. Nahor was actually Tara's father, so he was named after his grandfather. And I'm sure there's a funny family story as to why he was named Heavy Breather. But he was named after his grandfather, which is a very Jewish thing to do. They would would either name them their destiny, like we have Isaac. He was the son of laughter because Sarah laughed. We have Jacob the grabber and deceiver because he came out born holding on to Esau's uh, heel. But then the other line of when they would name their children, they would name them after family relatives or other important people within their culture. Like when we see Jesus' time, there was a lot of characters that were named after Maccabean revolutionaries because that was a period of history that was important to them in that time. And so we see different uh, ways that they would name their children. So we have Abram, exalted father. We have Nahor, the snorter. And then we have Haran, the mountaineer. So he got a pretty strong name, but he's actually named after a relative as well. And it goes on to say that Haran begot Lot. And Lot is very important to the story of Abram. Next verse it says, And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land Ur of the Chaldeans. So of the three sons, only two survived, but Haran has a child first before that happens. Verse 29 it says, Then Abram and Nahor took wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran. Not the same Haran. This is a distant relative, Haran, of whom Haran was named after. So there's a family connection for the name. He was most likely someone who was powerful in their family tree. And he was the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren and she had no child. Now 31 is where we want to focus on. It says, and Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter in law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Why is that important? Because Abraham's always the one that gets all the credit for leaving Ur and heading off, following the promise, following the dream. But here we see that the dream was already at work in his father before him. There was already a vision in that family to leave from where they were and to head to the land of Canaan. So what happened between what we see here in verse 11, chapter eleven thirty one 31 and Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, where God is now commissioning Abram? There's things that have happened in your family tree that may have derailed some vision that God had for you, but it doesn't matter how screwed up things have got, God can always get it back on track. And another thought with that is there could be things that are now showing up in your life. Vision and death are springing forth that God had planned for those before you. And now he's finally getting to someone who is willing to walk it out all the way. And just think about this. You may look like you're the only maybe Christian in your family, but how do you know there's not someone in your family tree that was praying for you long before you got on the scene? How do you know there's not somebody in your past that you didn't even know, haven't even met, that God had on their heart to pray for you? He's the God that exists outside of time, and I believe he has got people praying for you, speaking destiny over you, speaking the promise over you, saying, come alive, come alive, dream again, dream on in this day. So there's often more things at work in the story than you may see on the surface. And so we look at Abraham walking into the land of promise, but God had already started it a generation before. And how do we know that God wasn't already trying to work a generation before that? And he's been waiting for someone who was willing to walk out the dream. But what happened with Terah? Because he left Ur of the Chaldees and he headed off to the land of Canaan. The verse goes on to say they went out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan and they came to Haran and they dwelt there. The vision got derailed. <laughs> they left to go to Canaan and they came to Haran and dwelt there. They came to the land of their family. They came to the land that was comfortable. Now you've got to understand something. Ur of the Chaldeans is down here in the south of what would be modern-day Iraq. It's in the Mesopotamian basin down here. The land of Canaan is over here. And in between Ur and in between Canaan is the Arabian desert. And so the path that they would have taken would have been to follow the Euphrates River up to the north. And I thought that was interesting. If you think about it, if you don't know how to get from where you are to where you're going, follow the River of Life. If you don't know how to get around the desert, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Follow after the rivers of life. But it's not like travel. You get in your car and you drive for a few hours and you're like, I'm there. This is, we're talking, you're walking. You're walking over rocky ground. You're walking with all your possessions. You're herding all of your sheep and all of your cattle. You're carrying your whole bank account with you. You don't know, we got camels, maybe we got some donkeys. We've got servants, we've got kids running around saying, hey, get down off that rock. This is not like it's an easy journey. And so something happened from when they left Ur and arrived at Haran in the north that the vision began to dwindle. Because they were tired. You know, that often happens. You start out with such vigor and such, like, yeah, let's take on the world. And you get in the middle and you say, I'm a little tired. Maybe I'll just sit here and rest for a while. We've all been there. Don't look at me so holy. And we have to understand you are not to be led by your energy level, you are not to be led by your level of excitement. You should be led by the Holy Spirit and to where He is taking you. Because there's days where you're going to wake up and you don't feel like working on the dream. There's days when you wake up when you're saying, not today, God. And not today, God, turns into not today, God, tomorrow. And before you know it, you're not looking at it at all. And before long, you're dwelling in the land of Haran. Now, why is that important? That they stopped in the land of Haran and stayed there. Well, we know there's a family connection, right? They probably got around Nahor's um, relatives uh, or Nahor's wife's relatives. They got comfortable. There was an infrastructure there. But there's something more at work. And as I said, names are important. Do you know what the root word for Haran is? It means to burn up, to be dry, and to become angry. And so along the route, when they were tired, they began to burn up, they began to get dry, and soon they became angry. Now, there's something interesting else at work here. We haven't told you what Tara's name means. Do you know what Tara's name means? It means to delay. I think God used their names for a reason to paint us a picture in these stories. At Terah's heart, he started off with a vision to go to the land of Canaan. But inside his heart, there was also a desire to delay. You know, we are all can get pretty good at procrastinating, right? I don't want to do it right now. We'll just do it later. You know that the longer you delay, the harder it gets to go. This word is so important that when the children of Israel were in the wilderness... After they had been disobedient, and God said, That's fine, you're not going into the land of promise. You're, your generation's gonna die. You know what the camp, name of the camp was? Terah. They had delayed the promise. And so Terah delayed the vision. And therefore, verse 32 so the days of Terah were 205 years old, and Terah died in Haran. He started out with a vision. And he died in the land of getting dry, burnt up, and anger. And then the next verse says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Vision died in Terah, and now here is God moving on to the next generation, stirring a new heart. He says to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. But certainly, Pastor Jordan, he gave him the whole vision. He told him exactly what to do and exactly where to go. No, he just said, get moving. Don't stay here any longer. Because the longer that he would have stayed, the more like Tara he would have become. And so God said, get up and get moving and I'll talk to you later. And so there was a lot of faith involved in what Abram had to do next. He had to get up and get moving, not knowing where he was going. And God told him this He said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you, uh, bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here, God was replanting the seed of vision in Abram. But it was important that he get moving. And yes, 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 there there were obstacles. There were unbeliefs. There were partial obediences along the way. But you know, God is not moved by those things. And though they were present in the story that follows, God was able to work them out. Because God is bigger than our thoughts, right? He's higher than our ways. He can sort out the mess that we make. He doesn't want you to make the mess. But he's big enough to put the pieces back together. And so in verse 4 it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He got moving. And Lot went with him. Partial obedience, number one. He's got moving, but God's instructions were is leave your family. And who was Lot? Lot was family. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of the land of drying up, burning up, and getting angry. And Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired at Haran and they departed to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. You notice God didn't tell Abram where to go but he ended up right where he needed to be. Abram passed through the land into the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah and the Canaanites were with them in the land. Then, then the Lord appeared to him. And we often get, get back and we're like, okay God, give me the details. Let me know what has to be done. Do you know that it's, it's much easier to steer a moving ship than one that's tied to the dock and sometimes you just got to shake up your schedule a little if you've been doing it the same way you've always done take a new route to work go look at some new scenery maybe scramble your day around just so you have a bit different perspective just get moving and know that God will begin to speak You know, even this last week, I was sitting in my office, I believe it was Wednesday, and uh, I was going through writing my message, and, you know, I just felt like I hit this block, and I was like, I know what you want me to say, God, I just don't know how to say it. And so I sat there for about 20 minutes, just kind of staring at the beautiful sunshine we had this week. Wasn't that awesome? You know, I think we hit 18 when I was driving home on Thursday. Woohoo, spring is coming, in spite of the snow we just saw this morning. But I was sitting there just staring out the window, And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go for a drive. And I just got out there. I started heading towards my home. And it wasn't the five minutes I was in the car that God just began to speak to my heart and connected that connection that I needed. Sometimes just getting moving and stop worrying about all the details, you find the wisdom that you need because you stop looking at yourself. Your heart begins to open and he begins to speak and so God's instruction was get moving so he did it and then when he got to where God was leading him and he didn't even tell him where he was going then the Lord appeared to him and said to your descendants I give this land and so the first seed that he dropped in Abram was a seed of knowing I've got a land that I'm going to show you and when he was faithful to get moving the second seed was a seed of showing You're now in the land. Look around, Abraham. It's all yours. And we have to remember what the psalmist David said in Psalm 37. He says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he delights in his ways. But I always like to look at that as what happens after you take one step. In order to have steps, you then have a second. But he didn't say the journey is ordered of the Lord. He said the steps. And so you only have to be faithful to what you know to do right now. And we often like to worry about the things we don't know and we don't see or what could happen as we set out on this journey, but you just be faithful to take that step because he is faithful to work with you where you are when you're there. And so Abram is now in the land, and God says, "It look, it's, it's yours. I'm giving it to you and your kids. And so what does Abram do? It says, and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then the next verse it says, and then he, he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched a tent in Bethel to, on the west of Ai to the east, and there he built another altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. What was Abraham doing? He was setting up a memorial. He was setting up something to remind himself of what God had said to him and when God speaks to your heart, write it down and keep it before you so that on those days when you get to your Haran and you think, I'm just gonna sit here, I just need to settle, I just need to rest a little bit, you look at the memorial and be like, no, this is not my land, I'm going to the land of promise. We write it down, we put the scripture before us because it should be our anchor, not our emotions and not our feelings because if you go by your emotions and your feelings, you will not reach the promised land. You will not reach the dream. But when we put the word before us and we build a memorial before God, we have something to focus on and move. And so in verse 7 and verse 8, wherever Abram traveled, he built something to remind him until the move of verse 9. It says, Then Abraham journeyed going still towards the south, and we have no more mentions of him building memorials. We have no more mention of him building altars to remind himself. Do you know what happened next? There was a famine in the land. And rather than staying in the land that God had told him to go to, Abraham left the land. Why? Because he moved away from the memorial that told him, this land is yours. And so when you don't keep yourself in remembrance, it gets easier to walk out of the promise that God has spoken to you. Because you would think they got to the land and that life would be grand and everyone lived happily ever after. But we know that story doesn't go that way. He goes to Egypt and he messes things up pretty bad. He, He starts an international incident with the king of Egypt. He tells him that his wife is his sister and so he's like, great, I'll take her then. She can be my wife. And then God has to say, don't. That's actually his wife. And he's like, what are you trying to do, Abram? Are you trying to curse me? And so Abraham has some trials while he's outside of the land God has promised. But in chapter 13, it says, then Abram went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him to the south. So Abram started heading back to the last thing he remembered. Where God had told him. And if you feel like you've gotten off track, go back to the last thing he told you. You don't need a new dream. You don't need a new vision. Go back and fulfill the one that he told you to do. And in spite of him getting off track in Egypt, creating that international incident... He still comes out of there in verse 2 saying, And Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So the blessing was still at work in his life, even though he got off track. Because God will still be faithful to what he promised, because his faithfulness is always greater than your faithfulness. And in verse 3 it says, And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between bethel and ai to the place of the altar he went back and remembered last week i told you as we were ending that i believe god is wanting to stir up new dreams and new visions but the thing that's on my heart today to remind you is there's things that god has spoken to you that you haven't seen come to pass yet bring yourself back into a place of remembrance. Remember the promise. Get before the altar. Go before God and speak words of life into it because he is always faithful. But in verse 5 it says, Lot also went with Abram. Now, this is the problem that has been hanging around with him since back in Haran. God said, leave the family, and he's still dragging Lot around with him. Now, basically, Lot is a dream hopper. He is trying to live his life based upon Abram's dream, but Lot needed to get his own. And you can't live your life through someone else's dream. Let God give vision to you and it says now the land was not able to support them and why is that because it was not designed to support them he was supposed to leave Lot behind that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites also dwelt in the land. And in those areas where we've been partially obedient, we will continue to find strife. But you know that God said that His blessing does not bring sorrow with it. His blessing does not bring strife. And so when we find areas of strife, don't blame God. Look to what he told you to do and get busy fulfilling it. And so Abraham said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please, separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll take the right. And if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And so Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord and the land of Egypt towards Zoar. So Abraham gives Lot the option. He said, Lot, you just choose. You realize that that wasn't Abram's position to do so? And so Lot looks up. He sees the best and he takes the best and so Lot chose for himself the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other and the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated so now he's finally in the obedience that God had told him from the beginning and now God begins to talk to him again lift up your eyes now from the place where you are Look northward, southward, eastward, westward. For the land which you see, I give you. But Abraham just gave Lot the plain of Jordan. God didn't care. His promise was to Abram. It's all yours, Abram. And we know Lot chose the best of the land, right? It only took him like two chapters to lose it all. But when God gives you something, let it be established. No man can close the doors that he opens. And so God says to Abraham, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land. Through its length, through its width, so I give it to you. I like that. God was giving him a visual. He was giving him something to lock onto. When he left Haran, it was an internal knowing. But when he was in the land, God said, look, Abraham, you see this dust that you get your toes all dirty with every day through your sandals? That's what represents your kids. There'll be that many. Abraham's got none, none, zero, zip, zip. But God's saying, look at the dust. What is he doing? He's forming vision in his heart. He's putting a dream within him. It's something that Abraham's given up a long time ago. He's 75, no kids. But God can form vision in you. And so what is Abraham's response? Abram moved his tents, and he went and dwelt in the terebinth trees of Mamre and in Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. When God leads you, you know what that one step is to do. Just be faithful to do it. The dream is progressive, so dream on and let God build. Amen? Father, we just thank you for the dreams that you have and put in our hearts. We thank you, Father, for the areas that you would like to lead us. We go ahead and we say, I open my heart. Come on, say that with me. I open my heart. I open my heart to receive your dreams, Lord, and your vision for my life. I thank you that you do have steps for me to take, and I am open to take them, because I know the plans that you have for me, They're plans to prosper me, plans to give me a future and a hope. So this morning, I choose to align my thoughts and my eyes with what you said, Lord. I build an altar before you, an altar of remembrance.
1: And I thank you for
0: it. Now maybe you've been watching us this morning or you're in this place this morning and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life or you want to bring your life back to Him. Now is the time to do that. We turn to Him and He gives us vision. So church, why don't we pray with them right now? Let's say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for Jesus and I receive Him into my life. I turn to him right now. I say, fill me up, Jesus, with all that you are. Give me your vision. Give me your purpose. I receive it now, and I choose to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in the Smith Falls area, we say welcome home. We would love to walk this journey together with you. And for all those of you who have been watching from all over the world this morning, we just say thank you for joining us. I want to give a shout out to Kakamega, Kenya. I hope I didn't butcher that naming. I know we have a group of you that have been watching for several weeks now with us. And we just believe God's going to plant a great, on-fire Holy Spirit church in your area. And we look forward to working with you. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you would like to partner together with us to support the vision that we have here at Word Church. You can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give, or there's a basket at the back on your, on your way out. But, guys, you have purpose. You have dreams that God wants to put in your heart and stir up. But sometimes it just takes getting a little quiet with Him. Get out by yourself, shake things up, get moving. Let him speak to you. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you all soon.